Hi there, Matthew here. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to let you know about an exciting offer we currently have at Burn Production Services. If you're an event organizer with an upcoming corporate conference, sales meeting, or experiential event, this one's for you. For a limited time, we're covering the shipping costs for your next event to help make your production a whole lot easier and more cost-effective. So be sure to check us out at burnproductionservices.com and enjoy the benefits of this exclusive offer. Okay, let's get into the episode. AV has gone up tremendously. Some of it has to do with workforce. Some of it has to do with access to resources and supply chain issues as well. And that's true worldwide. It's not just in North America. We're seeing airlines on average 30% more expensive, hotels 25 to 30%, AV, same thing. That's huge. So of course you have to reorg your planning. Welcome to Production Value Matters, the business event podcast, brought to you by Burn Production Services. Here, we explore the different ways business events can bring value to your organization, the latest technological advances in the event space, as well as providing you with actionable strategies to make a business event a success. Let's create an exceptional event experience. Welcome to another episode of Production Value Matters, the Business Events Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Catherine Cholet, President and CEO of Global DMC Partners. So Catherine is responsible for building the standards, success, and growth of Global DMC Partners and the Worldwide Associates. She spent over 10 years as SVP at Fidelity Investments, leading Boston Coach and Best of Boston. With her degree in economics from Paris Nanterre University, and an MBA from Simmons University, she's best placed for discussing the latest trends in business. We're also talking through the latest meetings and events pulse survey results. And what I'm really excited about in this particular episode, Catherine and I had a conversation about it a couple of days ago, was that we don't look at trends as what's the coolest color of the year, but more what's the business impact of events and how is the data showing us the value that's created in that? So I'm really happy to welcome Catherine. Welcome. Thank you, Matthew. Very pleased to be with you too. Thank you. Absolutely. So I touched a bit of it in the intro, but can you tell me a little bit about your career so far, including your role in French and the North American relations? Yes. So I think if I was to define my career what is the common thread is international business development and the focus on global relations. So in addition to being the CEO of Global DMC Partners, I'm also a French trade advisor called Conseiller du Commerce Extérieur. So we're named by the French government to help promote exchanges between France and US in my field, of course, tourism, meetings, events, incentives. So everything is really done both in my personal career or in this role, which is a not-for-profit pro bono role to foster relationships internationally. Excellent. And so to you, what is the mark of an excellent event or meeting? I think what matters the most is how successful the goals of these events are actually met. And generally, there are some key metrics, depending on the types of events, but one of the metrics, which is a soft one, so not always an easy one to capture, is how well people connected and how long-lasting those relationships will be. Ultimately, when you invest in events, when you invest in 
face-to-face meetings, events, incentives, what you're really focusing on are the people and their ability to build from those events. So I think that's definitely the sign of a very successful event. And then there are other metrics that are important too, especially as it relates to incentive travel or international travel, especially nowadays with the focus on sustainability. It's the actual positive impact that you can have in the destination where you're going. So the opportunity to open people's mind to other cultures, but also to potentially make a difference in those cultures. I think that's another key success way of looking at events. Yeah. The sustainability and the impact metrics are sometimes, I think, a little bit overlooked that certainly sustainability has been something that a lot of event organizers are concentrating on in their efforts to impact climate change. But I think a lot of event professionals are still sort of struggling with how they measure that in a realistic and impactful way. I think you may remember what is it, five years ago, people were talking about trading carbon credits, but that turned out to be sort of a false leader and people have been burned by that. So I'm interested to delve into that with you a little bit later. So how do you think the industry standards have evolved in the past five years? I mean, obviously we had the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. So what do you think businesses want from their events that they didn't want before? So there's a number of elements, I think, that are now so essential for uh, meetings and events. And I would say that there's definitely pre-COVID, COVID, post-COVID, and now it's a little different, which I think people are looking for. After COVID, there was such an enthusiasm to meet face-to-face, just the celebration to some extent that finally we could meet face-to-face. So organizing lots of meetings, lots of opportunities to network, to reconnect with a lot of people working remote. Again, the importance of gaining more knowledge of the individuals you work with. So all this was key to meetings and events. Now, and it started last year, and it's definitely very strong this year, at a different stage. COVID is somewhat past, even though there are still a lot of impacts from it. We now are very comfortable with virtual meetings. So they're here, they're staying. But we are also dealing with the fact that, especially looking at it from a global basis, the world is a little frightening right now. And when I say a little, it's a lot frightening. And companies, some of them are struggling with cost in general. Budgets are a challenge, etc. So the focus for meeting planners is now even more so on how to be extremely efficient as it relates to meetings, events, and incentive. So it's less about how happy we are to meet or reorganizing this, but more reviewing all of your meetings. The regional meetings, do they all need to happen? Can we consolidate? We see a lot of our clients, both in our surveys and on our client advisory board, saying they're spending a lot of time reviewing the calendars and the geographical locations and being much more efficient on which ones can they centralize, which one can they do online, which ones are necessary to be in person and how do they invest on them and what are the goals to be achieved for these meetings, events and conferences. So there's much more of a strategic view and with metrics and goals attached to it, I think, than last year. And so what changes do you see happening in the event management role? Is it more strategic? Is it more business focused than you think it was before? It's 
definitely very business focused and extremely strategic. Again, they need to align with the company goals. We are noticing a lot of companies are doing layoffs right now in a lot of verticals, whether it's uh, tech companies, but pharma companies as well. Access to cash for many biotech companies is much more difficult. So that has an immediate impact on meeting planners. When after COVID, we were all struggling finding staff, et cetera. Now, this is not an issue. To some extent, there's much more consolidation of meeting planners. And again, the need for them to be fully aligned with their company goals in terms of strategic vision, but also cost management. So I feel that many of our clients are now focusing a lot more on the ROI, being able to not only be efficient, and that's where, thank God, there are some tools, especially generative AI tools that can help in this regard but also working very closely with CFOs and CMOs to make sure that the events are aligned with company challenges as well as company goals. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into the recently released meetings and events pulse survey, and that's the results from Q2 and 3 of last year. First of all, how long have these surveys been out and who are they sent to? So we started the surveys actually in 2020 during COVID because we wanted to stay in touch with clients, know where they were, what was going on. A lot of the clients had lost jobs, et cetera. So it was a way to stay connected. And it was such a success that we've decided to continue those pulse surveys. So we do them twice a year and it's primarily targeting our client base. So our client base is very global certainly very strong in the Americas and in Europe. And of course, we also send it to industry partners as well. But the main target audience are meeting planners. Yeah, absolutely. And in discussing this prior to the recording, I really like how you are in that survey concentrating on business metrics and how the meetings and events industry is affecting those and revealing those kind of trends, which sort of leads into my next question, which is, what are the main headlines that you're seeing in these survey results? So what are the sort of broad strokes that you found so far? So first, the challenges of budgets and how it varies actually from industry or even sometimes from geographical locations, but budgets are top of mind. So what we're seeing is about 36%. And again, it's shifting. We're going to get the results of the latest survey in the next few weeks. So for anyone interested, they should go on our website to get those. Matthew will send them to you as well. But what we're seeing is a lot more tightness as it relates to budgets and a number of meeting planners having lower budgets. But even for those that have higher budgets, generally 5 10%, it still doesn't cover for the increase in cost that they're seeing with airlines, uh, hotels, etc. So in the end, the common theme that we're seeing is definitely such a tightening of the budget management and of uh, meetings, events, and incentives that definitely contribute to changes in the way meetings are organized or where they're organized. So that's the number one. We're also seeing, in terms of focus, the sustainability in all its form, not just carbon footprint and uh, experiential needs is absolutely top of mind. Long gone are the meetings and events that are about being in buses during uh, site visits, etc. It's much more about the experience. And then the third one that I love to see is definitely the increase in 
I hate this word pleasure, but mixing work and leisure and how companies that embrace this are succeeding actually in attendance levels. There are some challenges with attendance as well that we're starting to notice too. Yeah, I don't really like that term pleasure either. It's sort of like the term pivot that we heard all through 2020. Like somebody's got to think of a better word. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So there's a quote that I want to pull out that from the report that says, while increasing costs remain the top challenge for planners, less than 40% of planners say their budgets have increased. So in some aspects, we see an increase. And I kind of always personify this is the costs are increasing, but the volume of output is remaining stagnant or lowering. And it becomes a volume problem. So if you were big company X and pre-pandemic, you did 10 events a year and you spent a million dollars on those events. Now, because of cost differentiations and inflation and everything, you're now doing five events, but you're still spending a million dollars. And so what aspects of event costs do you think are the main culprits responsible for those increasing costs? Well, the number one is air by far. I mean, and as much as we're hearing that airlines are going to start reducing their rates, we're not seeing it. So that's number one. The second are hotels. I mean, venue availability in some destinations is still an issue. Therefore, supply and demand situation and costs are going uh, higher. And again, we were speaking about that a little earlier, but the effect of COVID is still there in the supply chains. So some elements are much more costly. One element, for instance, that is higher and has been a surprise is AV. We were mostly seeing airlines and hotels. AV has gone up tremendously. Some of it has to do with workforce. Some of it has to do with access to resources and supply chain issues as well. So all these, and staffing in general, of course, and that's true worldwide. It's not just in North America. So when you think of it, every element of the meetings, events, incentive conferences are up. And looking at the cost, again, when we're speaking about budgets either staying the same or increasing a bit, they're definitely not increasing to the level of the increases we're seeing. Airlines, on average, is 30% more expensive. Hotels, 25 to 30%. AV, same thing. That's huge. So, of course, you have to reorg your planning. So what do you think that event specialists and organizers should be doing to create cost-effective solutions for those rising expenses? I think they need to look at all of the events, incentives, anything event-related that they have to schedule for the year and have a discussions with their CFOs, their CMOs, their CEOs. And that, by the way, is something I think is absolutely essential. Meeting planners need to have a seat at the table with those people. If they are still only working as assistant, it's an issue. When you are a meeting planner, you have big PL responsibilities, negotiation responsibilities. So it is essential to have these discussions at that level and describe these are the costs. This is what we have to play with. How can we organize and come with some ideas? Again, we're seeing many of our clients consolidating events regionally, therefore limiting the air cost by doing so, putting a lot more online solutions, uh, Zoom and others. That can reduce the allocation for these programs tremendously. So that helps. 
we are also seeing a lot more creativity on some elements of the programs. So, for instance, we used to have programs that were jam-packed with activities. Generally, activities means investment, money, etc. But people actually like to have time off as well. So it actually fits not only the budget side of it, but also the fact that people need time off in order to some extent integrate all the information that are being shared with them. So reviewing also the agendas and taking into consideration elements that maybe you can remove, cost you can reduce, but also by doing so, having a better experience, offering a better experience for your attendees. And then the third one is, of course, drill down to some of the cost. Food and beverage is a big, big part of the cost. And very often you see lavish breakfast, buffets, etc. Well, not everyone actually takes a big breakfast. So we're seeing quite a lot of meeting planners giving vouchers because a lot of people just want a cup of coffee and that's it. That reduces the cost as well. So considering things in this way. And then, as always, I think many meeting planners are very alone in their field. They're sharing best business practice, learning from others, understanding what others are doing that is working, that could work for you, is essential. And there's a number of of organization that facilitate these conversations. We believe we're one of them. But listening, what you're doing, Matthew, listening to what others are doing is important. Because sometimes I see meeting planners frightened to make such changes, feeling this is not working. But if they hear that others are doing it unsuccessfully, then they're more comfortable bringing this up to their higher-ups. Absolutely. And so do you see this continuing and continuing to be an issue throughout 2024, not putting on a crystal ball, but do you see this getting better? So again, depending on where you are in the world, I think it varies. The inflation in US is remarkably good. So there's been a good job in this field. So I feel that US has a little more flexibility as it relates to budgets. That being said, many industries are cutting down a lot for other reasons. Again, supply chains, access to capital, etc. So the focus on, again, reducing cost is essential. And unless we start seeing lower cost in airlines and in some hotels, which again, there are many discussions on this, it's still going to be a big challenge for 24 and I think for 25, potentially. That's is without even considering any further impact from what's going on geopolitically in the world. Hi there, Matthew here again. Great job making it to the middle of the episode. If you're enjoying what you're hearing right now, remember to give us a follow. And if you really like it, drop us a review as well. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about event attendance for a second. So looks like event attendance is roughly stagnant with 46% reporting the same number of attendees compared to previous years. 36 are saying more people are attending in person, but 18% roughly are saying less uh, attending in person. How do these results look geographically? Are, are there any countries particularly increasing or decreasing compared to others? So not so much countries as it is types of industries. What we're seeing is that many companies or associations are struggling with bringing attendees in. You have to create such 
exciting programs. You have to have a very easy logistics to go to the destination for attendees to feel that it's worth their while. For instance, we're seeing that some meeting planners are now changing destinations with more direct flights from where their attendees are because the challenges with airlines, the travel experience has been complicated. And so being able to have a direct flight makes it easier. Chances of losing your luggage is uh, minimal. So all this is playing a big role in making sure that attendees are interested in coming. The other trend is combining, as I was saying before, leisure with work that has a tendency to bring more attendees. So there's a lot of discussions. In terms of geographical, again, we feel that and we see from the results a lot of U.S. are or better, but again, associations in U.S. are struggling with attendance, so it varies. And in Europe, there's a lot more scrutiny on cost, and so generally attendance is managed a little tighter, I would say. So that's really interesting that it leads me to think that the data is telling you that major centers with high tourism value outside of the actual meeting or event we'll see a steadier increase, but that if you're a more isolated venue in a secondary market, that might be a struggle to convince your attendees to come to Hoboken, New Jersey to attend an event versus New York City because of that, and I hate to use the term, but that pleasure travel. And so what is the data telling you about the mindset of an attendee considering an event in 2024? And how do you think event organizers can factor that into their planning? So I agree with what you said, but I will turn it around a little bit. The reality is you can organize a conference in Oboken. And if you organize pre and post elements that are in New York City, that can actually be very attractive for attendees. So it's more how you organize, how easy is it to get to the location and what can you do while you're there? Are there opportunities to extend the hotel rates or build activities before and after the event? So it, it actually works. We are actually seeing a lot of interest for secondary destinations. So it people want more authentic experiences. So they are willing to travel. Again, incentives tend to be different. There's more allocation in terms of funds for incentives versus meetings, conferences, etc. where to your point earlier, you need the space, you need the logistics. But the secondary destinations are definitely very attractive to many because in many instances, been there, done that on the major hubs and the opportunity to travel through work to secondary destinations is attractive. Again, as long as the logistics to go and come back is well thought and organized. So that's interesting because you touched on it just a second ago about the been there, done that. Major markets say like Las Vegas, I think everybody's attended an event in their life in that destination. So maybe there is some real incentive to going to a unique destination, but I think it takes a little bit more thoughtful planning about, as you said, what can we do in that secondary market that is unique and it, it is something that they would not have experienced before and whether or not that holds value to an attendee. Absolutely. Let's face it. I mean, Vegas, Orlando, these big destinations will always be some of our top markets. The logistics, the 
convenience element, and it's still extremely attractive. You can still do such wonderful things. I mean, Vegas, look at the sphere. That alone is attracting so much interest. And there are so many activities actually to do in Vegas, outside of Vegas too, that can be very attractive. But again, it's interesting to see how secondary destinations can be very attractive to, especially when they're combined with others. There's also another element, Matthew, is there are some destinations that are more difficult to go to because of visa restrictions, because of pricing increases. Some actually want to reduce the number of people coming. Venice has just added a tourist fee that is very expensive. So things are shifting a little bit in some destinations, thus the importance to work with people that know about this and, and can guide you. Absolutely. So what do the results tell you about sustainability factors in the events and meetings? Like, are they specifically impacting food and beverage plans? There isn't always something that can be changed if a venue prefers to stick with an in-house kitchen team. So what can event organizers be doing to make their events more sustainable? Like, what's the data showing in that? So the data shows first and foremost how important it is for all meeting planners. What is interesting is last year when we were checking on the uh, importance of sustainability, European countries were by far the more advanced in this field where it's not a nice to have, it's an obligation. So uh, they were very, very organized already there. US was catching up. It wasn't as big. Well, this trend is now shifting dramatically. Certainly, North America is now much more focused on sustainability, and it is becoming now more and more mandatory for a lot of our clients to have uh, sustainable solutions at all levels of the meetings, events, and conferences. So again, we shouldn't really kid ourselves. The biggest part is there. I think it contributes 70% of the carbon footprint. So a lot of organizations are working with their airlines to at least capture what that footprint is. You were mentioning before the setting a carbon footprint. The goal here is more first to capture the data and to be able to do something about it. If you don't even capture the data, you're missing a big part. So there's all kinds of tools, as well as travel agencies helping corporations with this. Then decisions on how to best offset or reduce this particular portion. And then working with hotels, food and beverage is a big part as well of carbon footprint cost. So we are actually very impressed with how many hotels are working with clients on this. Between the organization of the food displays, the drink displays, as well as the type of food, there's much more consciousness, honestly, with the majority of hotels on working with local suppliers to reduce the carbon footprint, but also have programs that will manage the rest of efficiently and sustainably the food and beverages. So we're seeing a lot of this. Sustainability has many forms. Diversity and inclusion is part of diversity. So we're seeing many meeting planners actually very consciously working with DMCs to build uh, sustainable and DEI activities that will support the local economy on these elements. And that is in two ways wonderful. One, it's very meaningful for the attendees. It's very meaningful for the destination. And you have a way to immediately showcase that you are taking actions and you are making a difference and then being able to report on it. 
So while we are far from being able to have a zero carbon footprint uh, event, meeting conferences, we are definitely seeing some good efforts being made. One of the challenges that exists is there is really not a standardized uh, metric or uh, organization that we can work with that can validate how sustainable a company is, etc. So it's a little bit all over the place. And there's a number of initiatives, the UN has, the European Union as well, that are working on this. So it's coming to that direction. We're still in the infancy stage, I believe. Yeah, it's interesting to sort of think of it as a carbon footprint budget that you would have to manage just as much as your financial budget. And you're right, there are no particular standards. There are a million calculators out there. I'm sure we could link them in the comments, but there is no general standard of that sustainability impact or that carbon impact on certain activities. So I think that's something that is definitely can you share any experiences or events you've seen recently or even attended where considerable action was taken by the organizers to keep the event as environmentally sustainable as possible and share that with our audience? Yes. So I see actually many of our clients' programs where this is a main focus. So again, a lot of them are measuring carbon footprint and reporting to the attendees on it. So this loyalty to the cause and showing what you're doing, we're seeing more and more. We actually did that for our annual conference where we measured exactly what the carbon footprint was and then decide to offset different initiatives on this. We are also seeing so many meeting planners making sure that they work with vendors that propose solutions that are sustainable. So no plastic, everything organized in such a way that it is minimal impact. So again, who do you go to? Which hotels do you select? Which activities do you select that integrate this? And then, as I was saying, some activities make a big difference. I'm thinking of one client in particular that actually had as an activity for, it was 7,000 attendees to plant olive trees in Turkey. And that was very much with the purpose of making a difference in a part of the world that needed it, that supported the values of the corporations. So again, so much of the sustainability initiatives still reside on education. And so education and being able to get your hands dirty and help locally actually brings a lot more validity to us. It's not a concept anymore. It's a reality and you can do something about it. So we're seeing meeting planners spending a lot of time working with DMCs, hotels, and others in identifying ways to contribute to a more sustainable world and integrate the attendees into that experience. Yeah. So I wonder if, because most events, when they're organized and they're encouraging attendees to attend, they're calculating a carbon impact of, say, a thousand attendees coming from all over the world using an airplane to travel to that destination. And this is just a throwing a thought across the like, is there a way that we as event organizers could take a little bit more ownership of that? And I mean that in a way that, so again, we invite a thousand people to show up in our destination. We say, you're on your own to pick up your flight and get you here. But is there an incentive that we could offer that says, hey, we'll give you 
15% off of your flight. If you book it on the flight that we are organizing so that the whole plane is just our people, so that it's not 15 different days or flights, it's one big flight, almost like organizing joint travel. I love this idea. I think this would be wonderful. I'm going to bring a caveat to it because unfortunately, there's always a caveat to this. Some companies, I was working for one of them, will not allow this because there's actually a perceived risk with this that you can't have X amount of people of same organizations or going to the, in the same plane at all times. So sometimes it's not possible. But Matthew, there are so many initiatives that could be put into place and each one of them can make a difference. But it starts with capturing the data. I think that so many of us are still not 100% sure on what is the actual metrics and how can we show that we're reducing it without it being too detrimental in terms of the experience as well. And again, some of it can be more complicated, but the value of it is so much bigger. There's definitely room for improvements, for sure. I'm going to give a big example here. So there were a lot of reports of private jets being used by world leaders to go to COP28 and the carbon footprint. That was climate change conference. Do you think organizers could have done more to encourage greener travel with that kind of high level? And again, factoring in the factor that, yes, we don't want 16 world leaders on the same plane and it don't like the risk of it, knock on wood, crashing or something like that. But that balance of risk management and the impact, is there anything that you would sort of think of to encourage event organizers to make that greener? For sure. This was shocking, Matthew. I mean, there was many aspects of that COP28 that was shocking. But when you look again at the pure data, you had, I think, 86,000 attendees of which only 2,000 were online. That alone makes no sense to me. It does make sense when you start looking at who actually went there. And Matthew, it was so much more for COP28 than it was for 27, much more attendees. So many of them were lobbyists. So what are we really doing at the COP28? And maybe this is a completely different discussion to have, but a number of us as meeting planners we're looking at this, raising our eyebrow, thinking, what is this? It's insane that so many people come in private jet. The carbon footprint of COP28 alone contributed to so much damage. And yes, there are opportunities to consolidate that. Instead of having all these private jets, of course, there's an opportunity to combine some of these flights. Again, the fact that only 2,000 were online makes no sense, except if your role is to lobby for whatever reason, in which case you want to be there. But is that something that we should allow? I think COP29 should not only measure it, but report to the world what they've done to reduce the carbon footprint. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there also has to be a slightly different approach to it in event organizers' mind, in the same vein that we're talking about secondary markets, and you have to sort of think outside of the box of what experience can they have that they may not have had in primary markets that would make it an incentive for them to come. Do we have to start looking at incentivizing or experience management to carbon solutions? And the example I think of is an event industry 
conference that we have here in Toronto every year, which is really targeted towards American planners in the New England and Northern states. And they're always sort of struggling to get planners from Boston and Chicago and et cetera, et cetera, to come to this Canadian event to showcase Canadian destinations and the meetings industry here. And the idea that I always thought would always work is do a couple of party trains, for lack of a better word, so that the conference for them starts a day early. That instead of flying into Toronto, you go to Buffalo, New York, and Chicago, or whatever it might be, in a sustainable way. You board a train where you're hosted by the Canadian destinations as you train into Toronto. By expanding the experience and saying the experience doesn't start on day one of the conference, it starts two days before when you get this experience of taking a via rail train through the backcountry of Canada until you get to this major city. I always thought that that's a different way of looking at the curve and doing the data research to say, would it cost us 80 million tons of carbon here, but we did this and it only cost us 20 million tons. And it was fun. And it was fun. And I think that's like, you're hitting on it right there. If it feels like a chore, like we cannot do this because of this, then it feels like a negative and there's a negative incentive and nobody wants to do it. But if you say, because of this, we are doing this cool, fun thing, then it becomes, oh, I want to participate. And it's a shift in mentality. Matthew, I'm with you on this. Tell me when, how, where, and we'll bring some of our clients with you. You know, they do that in Europe because that's the other challenge, of course, in North America is the railroads are not as efficient as in Europe. But you see so many of our meeting planners, friends in Europe, train is very often the solution because it is not only from a carbon footprint makes much more sense, but it is very practical, very nice. You can privatize. It's a really nice experience to a different experience. So it's easier in other parts of the world. It's actually embraced a lot in other parts of the world. North America, not as much, but please, you know, let's do that together. Yeah, I'll give the single caveat that this episode is not sponsored by Via Rail Canada. However, if any of them want to reach out to us, we'll take the sponsorship. And Destination Canada does a great job promoting Canada. Absolutely. So just wrapping up, like any other specific results that really surprised you from the survey this year? Not really surprised. The attendees, the challenge to get attendees was the biggest surprise for us. And again, depending on what type of industry it is, so we're definitely keeping a close eye to it. That was certainly the bigger one. Yeah, absolutely. And so we always like to wrap up these episodes with some practical advice. We have a lot of event organizers and event planners listening. And so what sort of practical steps do you think an event professional should take after listening to this episode to help with sustainability and economic sustainability for their events going forward? So I think the more education you get, the better it is. And there's so much education, which actually can be overwhelming. So I would recommend, and again, we're doing this pro bono, there's no cost, et cetera. But I would recommend for meeting planners to log in to Global DMC Partners GDP University. There's a lot of education that we do on all kinds of topics, sustainability being one of them. And what I think is more important here 
to it is you'll hear ideas from other meeting planners. So actually have examples of successful implementations around sustainability, as well as access to resources that can be very useful. Again, meeting planners are very lonely, I feel, in this role. And there's so much out there. But listening from someone else who is also meeting planner, struggling with it, and building together some ideas, I think, makes a big difference. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Catherine, for joining me today on Production Value Matters. We will certainly link Global DMC in the comments so that people can get access to those educational resources. Thank you again. Thank you very much, Matthew. Have a great day. Production Value Matters, the business event podcast, is brought to you by Burn Production Services. To find out more about Burn Production Services and how putting on events can drive value for your business, visit burnproductionservices.com. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at Production Value Matters, thank you so much for listening.